Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, it was a movie few would view that went on to garner its due. So without further ado, we're headed to Peru. That's right, we're talking Disney's The Emperor's New Groove. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello there. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. And hello indeed. That's right. We are here to talk about a little gem. Disney's The Emperor's New Groove, a forgotten, uh, maybe a little, do, I, do I say it, a diamond in the rough? Is, is it forgotten? I, it, was, it was certainly forgotten when it came out. It, it definitely did not do well at the box office, it no. Was, it was the worst grossing animated film Disney put out since the 80s. Ooh. Ooh. And this was released in 2000, 2001? 2000. 2000. So it was, it was a commercial failure. Now, I will say, I saw it in theaters. I did not. Joel? I did not. Yeah. I'm well, sure you are part of the problem. I okay. was. He was part of the problem. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, it did have a bit of a renaissance and revival in home video, which mm-hmm. is how I mm-hmm. saw it, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, enough so that they released a sequel and a TV series that uh, garnered some Emmy nominations, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I was well, actually shocked the, to read the that. The sequel is not good. The sequel, no. <laughs> well, I think that was kind of the Eisner era of everything gets a sequel. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the like Little Mermaid got a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, Lion uh, King got two sequels, three the, sequels. Uh, Atlantis got a sequel. Yeah. Atlantis did got a, get a sequel. So interesting story about Atlantis' sequel. My kids do not like trying new things, mm-hmm. right? So I got them to watch Atlantis with me when we were were preparing for that material. Yeah. And I, I, it was like pulling teeth to get them to agree to watch this film with me. Uh-huh. And they loved it. Okay. Right. Right. And which is very common. It's like, no, no, we don't want it. Oh, this is great. And then <laughs> it's almost like the parents know best. Yeah. And uh, anyway, but on Disney Plus, where we watch this thing, immediately at the end, it comes with, with oh, you watch this. You probably want to watch the second movie. And so they were hounding us for days after that. <laughs> we want to watch the second Atlantis movie. And so finally we caved and we turned it on for them. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> but did they like it? They. They loved it. They, oh. we, we had, it's going to be on your TV oh, we, we had the same experience with Lilo and Stitch and all of the subsequent Lilo and Stitch material, which oh, there no. is an a enormous lot. amount. And the they've, watched, and- they've watched the sequel movies. They have watched the entire TV show probably twice. It's, it's, uh, it's something. Now, I, I mean, I love the first Lilo and Stitch. It's fantastic yeah yeah it's a it's a great just like emotionally resonant film Mm -hmm. i hope that we review it at some point so i mean i'm all for it what's interesting is i actually saw that one in theaters and i i didn't see that one in theaters it was fine i didn't love it just hawaiian roller coaster ride is like one of my favorite disney songs oh that's i mean that is totally fair it's a good song Mm -hmm. anyways back a little bit closer to the plot here (laughs) It's still Disney. It's on it's, brand. It's, <laughs> it is very much so on brand. Everything's Disney at yeah. this point. Although I will say uh, my niece was at her grandparents, my parents, a couple weeks ago, and she's still in love with Encanto. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, Lauren asked my mom, well, how, how many times has that song played? Cause it was like, you know, we don't talk about Bruno yeah. or if my mom who was in her seventies was like, oh, I don't know. I can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some benefits to getting older. I there guess. you go. There you go. Greater, <laughs> greater tolerance to the repetition. No, she's just deaf. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's how you tolerate yeah. the repetition. <laughs> Uh, anyways, anyways, before we jump into Emperor's New Groove, we figured we'd do a little talk here before we get into a, a spoiler-free review about some uh, animal transformation movies or books. I think we opened it up to books, but uh, anything, media. you know, if you want to do Animorphs, knock yourself out. Don't do Animorphs. I just, <laughs> I, there's one listener out there. I'm looking at you, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I figured we jump into some of that. I want to hear Andrews. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, um, uh, classic Andrew, I picked an anime, uh, film, uh, called Wolf Children. Oh, oh no, um, why? Oh, okay. So, so Wolf Children came out in 20, uh, 2012. Uh, it is directed by, uh, Mamoru, uh, Hosoda, who also did, um, Girl Who Let Through Time, uh, Summer Wars, all sorts of stuff. Uh, he came out with a new, uh, movie, Bell, uh, this past year. Mm-hmm. I'm still waiting to see. It just hasn't been available for us over here yeah, we're also to go see in that, yeah because yeah, I, I, I know you know that I, I didn't get to see it in theaters when they did the little run but so anyways uh, so wolf children is uh, basically about a, um, a mom who ends up having um, uh, basically relations with a, a werewolf mm-hmm. um, that she didn't really know at the time and then basically her kids are now essentially werewolves okay and uh, it's really just kind of it's a slice of life but it is the the kind of the trials and tribulations about raising two children by yourself um and uh, that are um essentially feral mm-hmm. uh, fer- uh, you know feral beings that have their have very specific like you know uh, primal urges to go kill things and right. go <laughs> just, just kids things yeah. just well just little and, murderous monsters there you go. yeah and and it follows the the two kids who have very um, polarizing op, um, uh, personalities mm-hmm. uh, one is very quiet and meek and the other one is very outgoing and uh, not aggressive but just um, just a very extroverted kind of person so yeah. just extrovert introvert. And throughout the course of the film, basically those personalities kind of flip flop and the, the one who is the introvert kind of turns into more of a much more aggressive and actual danger to other people uh, and himself. And then the one who is extroverted as a kid is now uh, much more of a, um, a, a more well, um, uh, like socialized. Yeah. Yeah. Well socialized kind of, kind of person that wants to help her mom and everything. And, uh, the, the whole film is just really a lot of, you know, there's a lot of puberty, um, allegories in mm-hmm. there and, and whatnot. And, um, it's a fantastic film. I would definitely give it a shot. Yeah. There's, there's uh, a lot of, uh, tugs on heartstrings. But I, I will just go ahead and preface this. Um, if you don't like to cry, don't watch this yeah, film. It's, it's <laughs> like, he's, he's kind of like, oh, you know, it's slice of life, raising kids. Like, no, it, it hits pretty hard. Mm. Yeah. Um, there, if, if you are definitely prone to crying and you don't enjoy that, um, definitely, uh, give pause before you choose to watch this film. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to make Joel go last. All right. So right now we are firmly in the realm of 2D animation. Uh, I'm going to bring us back over to the West. Uh, I'm going to do Sword in the Stone. Ooh. So this is classic, classic you know, my, my growing this is, this up. This is like technically in the dark days of Disney. Yeah, like really 
quite uh like we kind of joke about you know the forgotten lost animation from like the late 90s mm-hmm. early 2000s this is the which, actual lost which is the actual lost which animation emperor's new groove fits in that time range right yeah we're we're, yeah. we're firmly in that range for this but like the mid 60s disney animation it was is pretty rough mm-hmm. prior to hitting that that mid late 80s is, is Sword in the Stone 61? 63. I'm always like two years yeah, off. Yeah, you're, you're, you're always really close, but also not. So Sword in the Stone is uh, <laughs> like, congratulations, you were almost not wrong. <laughs> Basically. But you were still wrong. Uh, so Sword in the Stone is one of my mom's favorite uh, Disney films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean, this was, this was on the TV a lot when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is that my parents... Uh, tolerated it better than other choices that my sister and I would have made uh, in terms of what we, what we wanted to watch on TV. Uh, so that's a callback right there. Yep. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. I am a sad, grumpy old, old man. man. <laughs> <laughs> there are some great, it's very quotable, some great lines, but of course we're talking transformations yep. and you know, one of the key ways that Merlin educates Wart on the world because he hasn't really seen much of it is through transforming him into these animals uh, you know, the squirrel and the fish and the bird. Yep. And you get one, you know, you get a great song out of, you know, to and fro. Yep. Stop and go. That's what makes the world go around. So you get like these great scenes of kind of, you know, the the mentor, you know, tut- tutoring the young student. And then also you get really good action out of it. You get really interesting you know, learning like with mm-hmm. the squirrels. Well, and honestly, some terrifying sequences for a kid. Oh man, the uh, like the the pike or whatever in mm-hmm. the moat. Oh wow, you want to talk about you know uh, not going in the water after watching the movie? Because <laughs> you know, like sure, something like Jaws, yeah, keep you out of the ocean. Well, the pike that keep you out of any body of water. Yeah. If it is not a clean, clear pool, not touching it, right? <laughs> uh, but like that, or like the wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even like later on, you have the uh, the wizard's duel. Yeah. You have a ton of transformation in that. And I, I love the little different strategies. And then, you know, Merlin goes essentially, you know, nuclear at the end or really biological at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, if somehow someone listening to this hasn't seen it, uh, one, wow, I don't know what happened to your childhood, but two, do so. I mean, Disney Plus is out there and yeah, it's just such a great movie. Yeah. We watched it um, fairly recently. And uh, I mean, it still holds up just fine. It's, it's a really, it's it definitely better than like Jungle Book or, um, man, I haven't seen uh, that in forever. I, I'm gonna have to watch it it's now. It's not that great, is it? Yeah, it's sad. That but, was another one. But I, I've on never a been lot. a big jung- been a big Jungle Book guy, so okay. I like Robin Hood instead. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, something like Sword in the Stone, Robin Hood that that gets on our TV pretty often, pretty yeah. easily. Just because I mean, you know, it's this is an hour twenty long. You no, know, yeah, is, it's, it's easy just to throw it on yeah. and just have it on in the background if you're modeling or you know doing something else. Yeah, or even if we just you know made, we made dinner. We'll throw this on. It's, it's almost like watching a, a long TV show. You know. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on Sword of the Stone, Joel? Sword in the Stone was something that I watched as a very young child, and it was very entertaining. There were lots of of songs and uh, colorful moving objects. And <laughs> you can tell that he's just like, that's my general impression of the film. Oh, no. I've not seen it in decades. <laughs> you should introduce your kids. I, you know, that's not a bad idea. You should terrify them about going into water. Well, I mean, what's going to happen is I'm going to say, let's watch this. And first, just because they haven't seen it before, they're going to say, no, I no, hate no, it. No. And then they're going to watch the first few shots and 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 see the, 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 the antiquated animation yeah. style and be like, 
no, we really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny to me is when I watch something like that or like we we watch, you know, Emperor's New Groove and I'm watching the, the 2D animation, like, you know, this really holds up just because once they say, once they establish this is what the universe looks like and it doesn't deviate from that. Then right. Well, accepted. the technology that they're using is mature. Yeah. And so it looks good. Then it's going to continue to look good because the the things that don't hold up and don't look good as far as effects are concerned are the pieces of technology that have since moved on and evolved. Mm -hmm. And, but like drawing pictures to make a slideshow that, that didn't, that hasn't changed. Hasn't changed much. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, Joel, what about you? So for me, I also went 2D animation. Oh, wow. We are just knocking it out of the park. And I am going Disney adjacent and I am bringing out the Swan Princess. So oh, this wow. is this is a wow. mid 90s mm-hmm. produced film that is it's about a decade behind its peers. Mm-hmm. It really fits in with like the 80s style princess films and um but but it was the production company that that put it on was founded by Disney animators that left Disney in the 80s. Oh wow, go figure. And so is this the same group that did like Fievel? I think maybe uh, this is I'll, is I'll find you can it, you can yeah, keep talking yeah we'll go look it up but uh anyway so this uh princess film is one of my favorite of that style and uh it centers around a a king whose advisor is you know your typical easer evil I'm going to take over the the kingdom dude and when his treachery is exposed, it is shortly after the birth of the king's daughter and the king banishes the advisor because he served him for a long time and he decides to be merciful and banish him instead of executing him for his treachery. And so he vows that one day he'll become strong enough in the forbidden arts and return and claim the kingdom, that kind of thing. But in the meantime, the king of this country and the queen of a neighboring country have decided that they are going to join their countries together in mutual support and solidify that union through the marriage of their kids. Mm -hmm. And so you have these two characters that from a very early age are kind of pushed toward each other. Right. And um, so it's definitely an arranged marriage situation and they grow up kind of like originally being kind of like, ew, you're kind of gross kind of, kind of thing. And then once they they become young adults and are kind of reintroduced after a while, um, they are attracted to each other by by at their own surprise, right? Right. And then shortly after that, and everything's looking hunky dory for the monarch's plan of unification. Uh, the the evil advisor has returns and kidnaps the princess and is holding her ransom against the king. Mm-hmm. And he turns her into a swan through the dark arts that he has perfected in his long years of absence. And so she has a long sequence of getting to know the animals in his grotto because she's an animal. She, she can now speak animal. Is that how it works? That's totally how yeah. languages work. And um, and anyway, and so the, the prince himself is like, because he's now bought in, right? Like he's really attracted to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, because puberty has occurred and (laughs) (laughs) um, and so he goes on this like training montage of I'm going to I'm going to be the hero and I'm going to go get her back. And there's a really fun sequence of him and his sidekick um, playing basically airsoft with arrows. And they're (laughs) 
they're they're like like shooting all of the servants with colored powdered arrows. <laughs> Interesting. Um, whereas it's it's just kind of it's kind of a hype montage right. of, of him getting in in, yeah. in shape to go do this. And meanwhile, she is through because she's she's powerless against the sorcery. And so, but through verbal manipulation, she's trying to position herself to be able to contribute to the escape. So it's not just a damsel in distress mm-hmm. kind of story. Um, and so this is this is my favorite of that type of film. If the kind of classic uh, Disney princess film is what you're looking for right i mean you have a monarchy with the evil advisor mm-hmm. like there's there's a lot of that out there yeah yep. wow it actually is kind of on brand for oh my Emperor's gosh New Group. What there you go. however no hold on i have to i have to tell you about this okay so richard rich was the director he did not do the american tale no. series okay oh, so too. um from so he he did work for disney the last disney piece that he worked on was the black cauldron okay. not not a great not not, not a great film but yeah. not terrible um so, okay, so then he did, in 1994, he did The Swan Princess. Then he did The Swan Princess Escape from Castle Mountain. Then he did The Swan Princess 3, The Mystery of the Enchanted <laughs> Treasure. But wait, there's more. Uh, then he did, in 2012, The Swan Princess Christmas. Then in 2014, he did The Swan Princess, A Royal Family Tale. Then in 2016, he did The Swan Princess, Princess Tomorrow, Pirate Today. Then The Swan Princess, Royally Undercover. The Swan Princess, A Royal Misery, with a Z. Then he did The Swan Princess, The Kingdom of Music. And in 2020, he also did The Swan Princess, A Royal Wedding. Joel, so, I would like to so recommend. Like, so like, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing the, the squinty eyes gif and can't tell if maniacally clinging to past success or genius attempting... <laughs> cinematic universe (laughs) (laughs) i I, i'm going to recommend joel that you don't watch the swan princess on any streaming because it's going to recommend all six of those and when your kid likes it they they will i I will be forced to watch every single one of them expert on the swan princess (laughs) cinematic universe i really want to know what the swan princess a royal mystery is mystery well it's a mystery you find out (laughs) it's it's spelled with a z because of the z z's if it was spelled with an x then we'd know it was just to bump up ratings (laughs) 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 mystery what's that's Interesting, because when I tried to look it up, one of the first image clips was a really not great CGI. And I was like, well, I know that's not what this movie looks like. And now you're like, oh, the Swamp Prince was this from 2012. Okay, it's one of these. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, uh, yeah, going, going into um, Royal Vizier or um, <laughs> something that does not uh, bode well for our our prince or princess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, or I was, emperor in this case. I was going to, to ask our advisor if he could give a synopsis, but I was afraid he might overthrow us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to the emperor's new groove. Yes. As our main topic. Beware for of the groove. Today. Beware, Beware of the groove. The groove. I threw up the emperor's groove. Anyways. So we... <laughs> <laughs> Imminently quotable film. Yes. But so what we have is at the start of the film, we have a delightful uh, song montage that introduces us to Cusco, the emperor, mm-hmm. whose groove we are examining. 
And he is presented as a spoiled brat who has been given absolutely everything his entire life. In excess. He breaks In one toy. He has eight more. Yeah. Completely excessive. And so he, uh, you know, like, like we were just quoting, I threw off the emperor's groove, you know, to the point that at the end of the opening song, a, a octogenarian is tossed out of a fifth story window for being in the way so that Cusco bumped into him while he was dancing. Right. Like that's yeah. the, that's the, if this was not a, a children's movie, the man would be dead. <laughs> not because he was thrown out of a window. There would be blades involved. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, his, uh, unsurprisingly, his vizier, his his uh, advisor. Royal advisor. Yes. Uh, she wants to overthrow him and claim the throne for herself. Mm -hmm. And she does so through the use of magical arts and uh, decides that she is going to poison him at dinner. And her bumbling assistant who is probably the best character in the whole piece. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> uh, mixes up the poisons, and instead of killing him, it transforms him into a llama. And hijinks ensue. <laughs> yeah, just all, yeah. Literally all downhill from there, yeah. and then back uphill, and then back downhill. <laughs> uh, so scores? Oh, scores, yes. So... Yeah, we, I, I, I could hear Andrew warming up. I was like, wait, hold on. Okay, so uh, we have our technical score and our entertainment score uh, because the two might be separate and we will see in a moment. And uh, the technical score, which we will examine first, is based on the average between our ratings across four pillars of review, those being spectacle, performance, performance. score, <laughs> 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 I was like, I started so strong. Uh, spectacle, performance, score, and plot. And uh, in this case, our technical score for the film is an 8.4. So quite a resounding success for a film that did not uh, receive high acclaim on its release. Yeah, that's that's a very, very, very good score. Mm -hmm. And then moving on to the entertainment score, which, as I alluded to, can be theoretically different because a, a piece might just be terrible, but you love it anyway. And or a piece might be technically sound, but it just didn't resonate with mm -hmm. you. And in this case, we do find a little bit of a difference as our entertainment value collectively across the three of us is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> this this film is the perfect ride. It is so good. It is so funny. <laughs> it, it's it's definitely one of those films where. Uh, we will just throw it on the TV whenever we're just like, oh, you know, we, we all want to be like if, if Holly and I were designing on something and it's just like a Saturday and we we don't really want to have any specific thing on. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, pff, throw on Emperor's New Groove because, mm -hmm. you know, you can you can tune in and tune out and you're literally not missing anything. Yeah. So this this might be the first one where we actually have a large difference between technical and entertainment score. Mm -hmm. And it's. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like we scored way higher. But like the technical score is already really high. So yeah. we just top the scale here, uh, which is pretty impressive because we'll get into it a little bit. But the production of the, the movie was actually a total mess. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of production woes. Yes. But uh, yeah, so impressions for the free impressions other than just obviously we gave it a 10 entertainment. We all. Thought it was hilarious, right? And so, and so really, it's the humor in the film mm -hmm. that really comes through here. And there are a lot of jokes that kids will get, but it's one of those ostensibly children's movies that the humor is aimed at adults. 
Mm-hmm. And so there are sophisticated jokes going on that just keep pulling you forward. And so like, because those are there, it allows you as an adult viewer to appreciate the gags even more, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just that it's a hundred percent cheap gags. It is real sophisticated humor and the gags are also really funny. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I kind of touched on in in my written um, part of the review uh, is really that a lot of the gags kind of take you back to uh, Chuck Jones level of Looney Tunes of sophistication where a lot of his jokes, I mean, like, you know, they were they're just visually, you know, funny, like mm-hmm. at face value is just like, mm-hmm. ha ha, he got hit by a hammer or an anvil because he was trying to kill the Roadrunner. Uh, and, it, and it failed spectacularly, spectacularly. But then there's also there's always levels of commentary beyond that of, of you know, like why he failed and like, you know, mm-hmm. just all these other kind of things. And the each joke that they have just has like like three or four different levels to it of if, even if you understand it only at level one, it's still hilarious. Mm-hmm. But then when you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper, it, you can just tell the type of writing sophistication that they had. To, to really just have some hilarity mm-hmm. in there. And, and the whole thing starts with Kuzco directly addressing the audience as a voiceover of showing him as a baby being pampered and then mm-hmm. beginning the, the, the first big musical number. And then that kind of direct interaction fourth wall break is a recurring thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really ages up the, the humor too yeah. because it's it's not just i mean for a kid it's like oh I, I guess that's what's happening but for an adult the juxtaposition of what he is saying and what you are seeing is very humorous yeah and i mean you even go into the like the chuck jones you even have the bit where you know his his fourth wall break he stops the narration steps in and like circles something on the screen mm-hmm. and whatnot and he's like hey remember what the story is about or whatever and that's that's such a classic bugs bunny yep move uh you know, and I I think it was really interesting too because I just double checked. This came out before Shrek, yes. and Shrek was it has been kind of the gold standard of the kids movie with the adult humor that goes past. Right, mm-hmm. that was one of the big ones that everyone pointed to, and like, oh yeah, it's so great because kids and adults can go see it and have fun together. Even yeah, though they don't get the same jokes. Uh, so it's interesting to see that you know as the precursor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've lost my train of thought now. I just <laughs> derailed myself horribly so i'm gonna let one of y'all carry it for a second while i regroup (laughs) so uh, yeah go ahead well i was just gonna say from a animation standpoint you know this is very much in the 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 2d animation at kind of its height of technical mastery um at least in western animation and um particularly what struck me like back when i first saw it was the way that the the character models move is very organic. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of times where you can have good looking models and they just kind of move a little oddly or a little statically, but the, the motion here, it very much feels like you have the, these are, these are stand-ins for real people Yeah, is what it feels like. And so that's, that's a really fun visual experience in addition to just all of the great humor that's going on. Yeah. Well, and I think I, I remembered my thought. It came <laughs> back to me. Uh, two, one of the focuses on the writing side uh, ultimately was they they nixed out any joke that would date or reference it. Mm-hmm. And I think that plays into the timeless aspect because, you know, when it released, it didn't do great. And it's just it's only gotten better mm-hmm. the, the older it's gotten, essentially. And they did a really strict job because there's a lot of improv when they were making this of 
you know, it's 2000, you know, there's like a Bush joke. Well, that that's just straight gone. Like mm-hmm. we're not pinning this to any era of its release. Mm-hmm. It's only going to be classic. Like it, it fits just, at any point. Yeah. Yeah. So and I think that that really helps. It has really helped its longevity, not just from a nostalgia factor, because it's almost, it's hard to argue for nostalgia in its favor because no one went and saw it. Right? <laughs> so. Yeah. So as we groove on into the intermission, now is your chance to check out the try again. So as we groove on into the intermission, now is your chance to check on those spinach puffs and spoilersintendedpodcast.com, a great place for all of your episodes, Discord, and Patreon support. Now, if you're ready for more, pull the lever. Wrong lever! Alrighty, everyone. Hope those spinach puffs weren't burning because we are back and it is all spoilers all the time, all the way down here. Just in case you didn't get that message. That's right. Spoilers. This is your time to step off if you don't want any. <laughs> all right. You've been warned. Beware the groove because we're going straight into the spectacle. The groove. The groove. <laughs> so cool. We're going to be doing that's, this all that, night. That's seriously like one of my favorite parts of the film just because. Like as he's wa- as the old man's like walking away, and every time people are like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "Groove, the groove, it's all right." I'm pretty sure that's Piglet's it's not the first voice actor. Too. It is, it is, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's not the first time I've been thrown out a window. <laughs> I'm a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so spectacle. I'm gonna give this to Joel. All right. Well, I gave spectacle an eight out of ten. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned before, the spoiler wall. The animation is really a standout job. Um, really helps sell the performances. There is um, just wall-to-wall laughs in the thing. Like the ride that you sign up for is is I'm going to be laughing the entire time. Yeah. And it absolutely 100% delivers on that proposition. Um, There is particularly the scene where um, they've just left uh, the village on the way to take Lama Cusco back towards, you know, on the long journey yeah. mm-hmm. back towards the thing. And they get the, they get stuck in the, the forest and they're like careening down the hill and they end up somehow tied to either side of a big tree trunk and then fall in the river. Right. right. Um, and they, uh, end up floating towards a waterfall and like only one of them can see it. <laughs> And so, and so he's like, oh no. And then, and then they have this back and forth, really clipped exchange of, of, you know, um, you know, one of them says, oh no. And he was like, let me guess. We're about to come up on a huge waterfall. He says, yup. Sharp rocks at the bottom. Most likely. Bring it on. (laughs) And, And it's, and it's just this, everything else has already gone wrong. So we might as well do this too. Yeah, why not? And it's, and it's that kind of a ride for the entire film. So my one of my favorite um, parts of that whole sequence is whenever uh, they're initially going down the first uh, set of rapids on mm-hmm. the river, 
every rock that they hit also hits Cusco. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, like, it's, it's hit and then turn and, and then hit, hit again. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it, it's it's funny because just as like an adult, and you're just like, oh, yeah, you totally deserve every single yeah, one of these. This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you gave it an eight. Yeah. Andrew? Oh, okay. I guess it's on to me. Uh, I also gave it an eight. Okay. Uh, uh, mostly for the same thing. I mean, the honestly, the character designs are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is... Uh, it. I When I was kind of writing this, I thought that this was one of the one of the last hand-drawn ones, but it is not. There's still um, uh, Princess and the, and the Frog, which is 2010, mm-hmm. uh, which is technically their last true hand-drawn one that they've done. And they may do it again. I hope that they do. I hope so. Uh, ha- hand-drawn animation is, is the medium. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like animation, CGI, and everything like that, that's totally fine. It's a cheap way to do it. But hand-drawn is honestly one of the best ways to get emotion out of your characters Mm -hmm. because like you but you you can't make something that's really flat if you just hand if you do it by hand Mm -hmm. because it just takes so long to do it like you're going to get it right yeah um and it's unfortunate that this movie just didn't do that well in the box office because i mean it's it's just so much fun Mm -hmm. uh the uh a lot of the the action scenes like the way that the characters move kind of like what you said joel like it just it's such a it's such a treat mm-hmm. uh, just because he, each of the characters, especially Cusco when he's in llama form, has such a weird way of kind of moving. <laughs> it's kind of like this amorphous blob. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not the way an animal moves and it's not the way a person moves. It's just but it is consistent. It's like self. It's it's he's he's his own thing. Yeah. And he stays that thing. But it's not really a llama. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, and and. With that, like the, all the hand drawn animation, really does a fantastic job with the comedic t- comedic timing. Yeah, which I, I swear that they really pulled so much of the style and the storytelling from Chuck Jones, uh, from Looney Tunes, mm-hmm. just because it it really has that that really like quick and punchy kind of feel throughout mm-hmm. the whole film, where a lot of other Disney films never really had that. And like the, the other ones, they're they're still great and they're still funny. But you don't get though this kind of like I'll say longevity of just ongoing running jokes that are always really well timed the whole time. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Aladdin is probably the closest that we're going to get to like a Looney Tunes level from the Renaissance era Disney, mm-hmm. be only because it is just Robin Williams ad libbing everything yeah. and right, just animated right, yeah. towards him. Whereas uh, like all the other movies, like they have comedy, but they're not like. It's more of just comedy and not slapstick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's there's less of a manic air to it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And this this is just the embodiment of what a Disney Looney Tunes kind of mm-hmm. thing would be. Yeah. Okay. Well, both of y'all gave it an eight. Mm-hmm. And we here at Spoilers Intended have many varying and different opinions on things. So in that vein, I also gave it an eight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 2d animation. It's, you know, peak Disney animators working on this. This is, it holds up really well. Yeah. It looks good. Uh, some of the big wide shots of the mountains and, you know, the village on the hill, it's got kind of a little bit of a, like a Seussian vibe to it, a little Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything is just really, really narrow and steep. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Kind of awkwardly, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't really build a house here because getting there, like no one wants to take these stairs every day. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's there and, you know, it's just, this. The Incas, they live in the mountains, right? 
uh, you know, I loved all like, the big emphasis on like how everything is gold because that was kind of you know the the mystique, mm-hmm. of it, right? Uh, all the all the big faces. Yeah. Oh, like the actual you know the the actual art style of the art within the art, right? Yeah. It was really well done, really consistent. And like what you had said, Joel, about the way Cusco moves as a llama, mm-hmm. he's he's not a human. He's definitely not just a natural animal walking around. And like we even get that kind of later on when he tries to mingle with the other llamas. Oh, yeah. And they're all just like, nope, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Don't want that. Uh, because he just, he doesn't move as someone who fits that form, right? Yeah. yeah. E- even as he gets more and more comfortable with it from his initial shock. Yay, I'm a llama again. Yay, I'm a llama again. <laughs> Wait. Wait. <laughs> uh, but just, you know, stuff like that, you know, relying on, on, the, the sort of a, a pseudo slapstick comedy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the like the chandelier thing, which is just a, a classic moment. And they lampoon the fact That's that she's just so small. Yeah, that, that usually works. That where you, <laughs> <laughs> or the, the little angel and devil. That's another Chuck Jones yep. style classic is the, the angel and the devil on the shoulders. Mm-hmm. But then also pulling away from him where they're all looking at him like, what is he doing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's really like, that's the same. Cause like that, taking a look at the humor from the outside, you know, mm-hmm. uh, taking a meta view of their own jokes, it like is exactly the same theme as the fourth wall breaks where the not fully developed character of Cusco is directly referencing the audience while the character of Cusco in the film is going through growth. Yeah. But this is a pre-growth version of him now addressing you, not a, as if he's at the end of it yeah. talking to you. It's just all just, just an incredible layer of adult humor kind of wrapping around all of the slapstick gags. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's so well done, especially for, you know, reading into it, just the, the absolute production mess that the movie was. It's just what they came out with. It was not what they went in trying to create. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just so well done. It's just incredible. So on that note, speaking of incredible, we're going to move into the performance. The performance. Yes. And I'm going to, I'm going to snatch this one first because I have a feeling where this is going to go. I'm not going to take everything. I promise. <laughs> I get performance 10. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I know. Right. So one of the biggest reasons is speaking of it being an absolute production mess is they didn't have a script. There was no script. when. The production was finalized and everything was in the can. A Disney intern came to get the script so they could be vaulted. And the writers went, uh, we have some boxes of notes you can have. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Wow. So, so much of what is said on screen, they basically, they made David Spade as Cusco stand in front of a mic and ad lib Mm -hmm. forever to the point where like in some of the interviews reading it, he was just like, I, I don't know. Am I bad? Am I not funny? Like what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they even talk about, they reached a point with him and also with Eddie Murphy where these comedians are always on stage, right? And they're used to being in front of an audience Live or, yeah, or yes. having camera. They had to put a camera on Spade and Eddie Murphy to really bring them to life. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, well, suddenly it was a huge bonus because we had all this footage of him being really animated that we could give the animators. Yeah. And I think that really helped them match up the, the dialogue and also the facial expressions mm. and all this other thing and how mm-hmm. well that that played through. Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing that they had to do with Robin Williams mm-hmm. yeah, uh, for Aladdin yeah. because it, like the, I mean, you know, these tradition traditional comedians, like they, they need to have some sort of feedback mm-hmm. that they can feed off of. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll give one more. I'm not going to talk only or all about him because I know y'all want to talk too, but Patrick Warburton as Kronk. Yeah. So the bit where he does his own theme song 
So, so that was they. The, the writers didn't give him anything. They literally were just uh-huh. like, "Well, we think it would be funny if you kind of did your own theme song." And and Lord Burton kind of looked at him and was like, "So something kind of like duh, duh, duh. and like, well, we were thinking like do do." And then he did something like, "Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Just go with that." And then so that's just him. He just yeah. did it on the spot. And this and then is it was good. This is this <laughs> is why casting is important Yo, so much <laughs> because right? if you have the right actor in the right role then it doesn't matter what material you give them it's going to be gold and, it, and if you're willing to take like feedback back and forth yeah then it can come back vastly improved yeah right so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it at that i'm gonna open up the floor to oh gosh i don't know this is tough uh, joel <laughs> all right so disgusting i can't believe that you gave it a 10 because that's what i gave it. i gave it a 10 <laughs> This, the, oh man, like the character design from an animation perspective is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody from like the main characters that we've talked about, Yzma, the, the villainous of the piece. Right. She is just this, this, uh, you know, we referred to an octogenarian before. She's got to be over a hundred years old, right? Like she's, (laughs) well, they even talk about like, oh man, look at the wrinkles. Right. Right. Like she is depicted, depicted as this. This hideous beyond all aged, imagination. Eight, yep, <laughs> hideous beyond all reason. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. And she's just absolutely hilarious. And the the performance behind her is so good because there's a lot of dry humor coming out of mm-hmm. out of that performance that you don't necessarily get out of the rest of it. I mean, you get a little mm-hmm. bit of it, but she's where most of it comes out of because she's the only character in the piece that has competence. Right, yes. <laughs> that understands hit him in the <laughs> and so she's she, but she has very little personal capability, right? Because yeah. she's she's a frail old, old woman, well, and and so she's trying to work through imbeciles, yeah, and work against imbeciles, and it's just it's just incredible, absolutely incredible. Well, I've I've always loved her line of towards the end of the film where they're like, "Oh, that's ironic," and she's like, "Yes, like my reliance on you." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a cruel irony, <laughs> like my dependence on you. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And then, and then, like they even go into the like she's just really old and ugly <laughs> gag. Like they just double down on it when she's like, "I bet you weren't expecting this," and she starts hiking up her dress, <laughs> and everybody's just freaking out, like hurting like, oh. their eyes, like, "Oh, oh no, oh no!" Oh, it's just and, a and, then, and then she reveals the dagger, like, "Oh." Oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. We're good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you guys both gave it tens. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not. Oh, oh, I gave it an eight. Oh, shame, 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 shame. Um, okay, so I I basically agree with everything that you guys have said mm-hmm. for for the actual performances of of the of the actors that they chose mm-hmm. and everything and. You know, this came out in essentially turn of the century, mm-hmm. early 2000s. Um, unfortunately, in the early 2000s, there was a lot of um, essentially whitewash casting okay. for, for basically any kind of uh, person of color mm-hmm. right. character. And this was one of those cases oh, yeah. where, you know, you have David Spade, who is objectively a very white He's person. Very white. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, this takes place in South America. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that they basically didn't pick any South American actors for, for any of this. Now, yeah. I, I don't, the film would absolutely not be the same without the personalities that they chose. Mm-hmm. 
and we would be talking about a different film pretty much completely because like these characters, especially um, Patrick Warburton, mm -hmm. like he plays Crunk. Like that yeah. is that is basically who he's played ever since Seinfeld. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's just like that's just who he plays. Yeah. And if you write a character like that, he is the guy to play it. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, it, you know, it's, it's more of just a, a product of the times of it's unfortunate that there was, you know, because then we have movies like Encanto mm -hmm. that clearly like they can stand up on their own, you know, quotation marks without having all these, you know, famous white actors be voices in. Yeah. In so, so like, like there's absolutely something lost in not embracing the culture that yeah. you're writing about. Um, but at the same time, like you said, it would have ended up as a totally different, it, film. it would have been a completely different film. And it is, it is, I, I am saddened to think of, a a world in which we don't have the film that we got. Yeah. So so there's definitely a conflicted feeling about no, that. Yeah, <laughs> well, and that's kind of like it's really more I just wanted like I wanted to mention that's pretty much the only two points yeah. that I knocked it for was just like I I am in agreement that, you know, from what we got, it was absolutely 10 out of 10 for for like what it was. But then when, you know, if you take a step back and look at it from a little bit more of a uh, cultural appropriation mm -hmm. kind of standpoint. It, it is a relatively unfortunate fact that movies of this time just kind of just put white actors and then, you know, it's been doing that. Hollywood's been doing that for, you know, forever, a mm -hmm. long, long, long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just unfortunately the, the reality. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're now moving, especially Disney is now moving closer to the point of, you know, Hey, if we're going to have, you know, films that have minorities in it and everything, they're going to be voiced by minorities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm glad that we're moving that direction. But, you know, up and like for the actual performance, not to bring, you know, whatever we're talking about down. Uh, I mean, it, it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and what we got was exactly, you know, like it, it is beloved 100 percent. Yeah. So. And at least they didn't bring in the token South American actor to play the villain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can I can at least be thankful for that. Uh but yeah, no, it, it I could go on for a really really long time about what we got out of this cuz again, I, I've referenced it before. Originally this was going to be a much more serious movie mm -hmm. uh called Kingdom of the Sun where all the music was written by Sting. Uh, but he did do he, an the, original the, song the at the credits. End. Yeah, the he credit did. song yeah. is his. Um, and it won, uh, I think it was either nominated or won an Emmy. It, it was definitely nominated. I don't know if it won or not. Uh, I think it did though, but either way, uh, like the original vision was totally different from this. It still had David Spade and Eartha Kitt as Yzma, mm -hmm. which is kind of weird because what you got out of them was such good comedy. Like, I don't know what they expected Spade <laughs> to be in like a different movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, oh gosh, it's just so, and, and you know, ultimately, you know, some people like Warburton really pumped it up. And he was mm -hmm. not in the original plan or cast. Kronk yeah. was just a creative character, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just pumped it so much further than it, it, uh, you would ever really expect it to be mm -hmm. just because of the sheer amount of humor you get out of it. From, yeah. from what was essentially, again, you know, there just wasn't a script. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just an improv movie. Yeah, I just did that. That's just, I, there was like a point where the writers were like working apparently and like the executive came in and, and almost in tears. He's like, guys, you got to understand, we've already put 40 million. Y'all have to produce something. <laughs> so uh, moving forward. Yeah. Into the score. Andrew, you want to take this one first? Sure. Um, I gave the score a seven. Okay. Um, mostly just because um, the music 
just kind of existed outside of the the fantastic opening sequence, mm-hmm. uh, which is really high energy and really pushes you kind of into just the, the ridiculous um, universe that they're that they're kind of in. It, it sets the tone early. Yeah, of, of just how absurd and narcissistic uh, Cusco actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you also get a feel for the kind of how the universe works. The, the rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. While, while this is all going on and it does a fantastic job. Uh, the rest of the film, it just, you know, the music just kind of exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't, there, there's, you know, there, it is not a, um, an award-winning score. Mm-hmm. Um, Despite winning something for the last one. Well, it, it won it for, for the, the, know, the, the original up. song by Sting. Yeah. Like, that's a whole different thing. Like, and the song's not even that good. I don't think it is either. So it's just what's <laughs> funny. Because I, I, I made a point to sit there and listen to it. I, like, well, I, is... I got about halfway through and I was like, I can't this listen is, to this, this is anymore. Not, yeah. I'm not a Sting guy. I'm sorry. Mm. Anyways. Well, <laughs> I guess I'll go. I gave it an eight. Mm-hmm. Because... You know, we have the opening set piece, which is great. I, I think the background music, I think it did a pretty decent job of getting some emotion for you. Because, you know, we have some emotional moments. Cusco as a llama in the rain by himself, mm-hmm. depressed and sad. Uh, we have some emotional moments. Yeah, uh, there's like it, a dramatic, uh, yeah. sing lone violin out there kind <laughs> yeah. of going to town. Well, on but I consider that more just comedic, um, comedic use and not like dramatic, dramatic use. Dramatic use. Yeah. But, but it is ultimately a comedy. Like they were hitting that. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. but I mean, it's yeah. it's still music supporting the emotional content of the scene yeah. in in an exceptional way. I guess. I mean, well, okay. So, like, if you go to uh, some of the orchestral um, pieces of um, like Bugs Bunny, whenever whenever mm-hmm. he's doing like the uh, the opera with uh, with Elmer Fudd, with the Barber mm-hmm. Seville, yeah, yeah, Barber mm-hmm. Seville. And would you because there's no dialogue in that at all, so mm-hmm. there's no actual quotation marks performance. Um, like the score is the, is basically the, the spectacle. Well, so it's different there in that the animation is timed I mean, to timed, the yeah. score, right? So you, you have the score is driving what's happening. Mm-hmm. Whereas this it's, it's ultimately, it is a dialogue based thing and the yeah. score is just a support. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I give it an eight, like I did, it didn't ratchet up just because it had no like big memorable Disney song, right? You know, no. this is. Cusco is the only song and and it's not like it's it's good it's fine but it's not sung by a main character no this (laughs) this isn't be our guest or you know uh, reflection Mm -hmm. no it's it's on the level of the opening song of Hercules I think yeah it's it's very similar vibes yeah there's but even like Hercules you have a want song here you don't get a want song Mm -hmm. I mean but this isn't a musical he also doesn't have any wants because he's the emperor (laughs) yeah yeah. 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 so I'm gonna I'm gonna complete the triad and I give it a nine um, and I'm, Seven, eight, nine. And I'm gonna nine. say like like I agree in the like the rest of the film is just kind of there, except that I kind of limit that to the low energy scenes. Mm-hmm. Um where where you had the the height of the drama of the film is he's at the 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 lowest point at the end of the second act when he's, you know, sad llama in the rain. The, and the you cold have the, opening. And you have yeah. the wee 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 wee. And um, so, like, that was kind of a high energy in the other direction scene. And so the music supported that. And then you have there are several more places across the movie where they have manic energy, where the music is really big and really supports it yeah. on the same level as the opening does. I, I did like the uh, the ch- uh, not the chase scene, but basically when they're bro- they're both running back to. Yeah, the, yeah the, when, the they're, when they're trying to. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really, really good. And so 
that is a significant percentage of the film. Yeah. Um, and so like the the spots in between where like you didn't have a lot of energy either toward the manic spectrum or toward the mm-hmm. the dramatic spectrum. Um in those the music was just kind of eh, you know, it's just yeah. there. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. And that's uh, these are all fair. Pro- I, and I always do kind of tend to overlook the higher energy stuff, but you are right, like the the chase stuff, like the da 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 kind yeah. of stuff going. And it's, it's just like the the stylization of it mm. is so iconic for this film. Well, it, because it, like essentially because they've already broken the fourth wall, mm-hmm. there are at this point no rules. It yeah, doesn't. Yeah. It it literally does not matter what what is really happening on screen because there is no internal logic anymore. Right, which we're going to get to in plot yeah, right now. Speaking pretty of heavily. <laughs> breaking the rules and the lack of internal logic, let's talk plot. Uh, Joel, you've been talking for a while, so you don't get to talk. Andrew. Man, I gave, you, got, you got my hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it a nine. All right. Because All right. Um, I, like, so, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where the opening scene where you have this this overt narration, which they, they did the thing that I don't like, where never they... They show you, how did I get here? Yep, yep. Let's go back. And, uh, but, <laughs> but it was a joke. No, no, no. See, that's the thing is because then they, they, it's basically an entire, is the whole thing's a joke. Yeah. And the second that he breaks the fourth wall, you're just like, oh, okay. It doesn't matter now yeah. because this is not there. It is taking itself so not seriously mm-hmm. that now you can have these subversions of expectations Basically, at any point, right? Yeah. Johnson, is that you? <laughs> but so, like, my I think my one of my favorite, um, just little points of the film outside of one, uh, the the diner sequence, just oh, the God. entire thing, oh, the whole just, diner sequence uh, is so good. No, um, I, I almost pushed for as our intro topic, like a small segment like that, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, what's these like one of these sight gag scenes from a movie or something, yeah, like that, because it's so good. Um, but whenever they they get to the lab and then Yzma's there. And they're like, wait, how did you get here before us? Uh-huh. And she's like, Crank, how did we get here before? Yeah. She's like, you know, by all accounts, it just, it doesn't make any like, sense. Like he even pulls down a roll <laughs> a down map. slide map showing where they fell down into the ravine yep. <laughs> and completely being left behind. And it's like, yeah, no, we were there and now we're here. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's definitely one of those things where because the fourth wall had already been broken and, mm-hmm. and essentially they're in, they're in a Looney Tunes universe. Yeah. They can, uh, they can just be whenever. So if yeah. the writers are like, "We need you to be at the at the temple," here we are. Yeah. If it if it had been a super serious, you know, very strict ruled oh, thing, then, you up know, to you that just, point, you just knock you it just all the way down. Destroyed it. Yeah, yeah. No, we would we would be crushing the score right now. Yep. That's just not the world we're at. Uh, but yeah, the the diner scene is probably my favorite whole section of the film. Mm. It's just it's so funny, just because like Kronk at this point has been a uh, like. He's an idiot, but he's also he's an idiot with a heart of gold. But then he's also an idiot that actually has a lot of really he's, good real life skills. He's got yeah. he's got weird areas of high proficiency. Yeah, yeah. He's, had, he's had a few moments to shine. Right, we have the spinach puffs. He's had mm-hmm. a couple moments to shine. And the diner is when he's really just like, well, you're like actually competent at something. What, what, like when you really want this, what's going yeah. on right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and him just, you know, him walking in and asking for the thing, and the, you know, the. The original cook is just like, fine, if you don't like what I want, I'm just going to leave. And he takes the whole pot of what he puts it in the suitcase <laughs> and then walks out. And then, uh, you know, obviously diner life happens and he's like, all right, let's go. It's let's like, <laughs> I guess I live here now. All yep. right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get all that? 
three pigs in a blanket, make them swim, turn the uh, yeah, the bull into a into a gill or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, he just like rattles the bags. Like, okay, wow. Yeah. All right. So Joel, you get to yeah. talk now. So I want to preface this with the fact that because of the rampant fourth wall breaks and the fact that the plot is like Swiss cheese is a plot point itself. Yeah. Making any sort of rational determination on how to score this plot was beyond me. So I settled on a seven. <laughs> <laughs> Joel's just like, I don't know what to because, do. Because, because, because it was, it, it was fine. Like the plot was not the most important part of this film at all. Yeah. And, well, and, and they, they actively joke at, yeah. at the plot holes that just exist. Right. And so like they, they, they become a feature, not a bug. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's really weird. And, um, so, so yeah. That's all you got to say. That's, that's, that's all, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I gave plot a nine mm-hmm. because you know what? I'm, I'm going to take an opposite tack from Joel. Okay. The humor was there. The jokes were there. We, we hit it all. It didn't matter. We broke the fourth wall, yada, yada, yada. But one of the most important points of the fourth wall breaking is when Kuzco talks to himself as a narrator. Cause the narrator is past Cusco, right? Yes. He's taking it from that viewpoint. And we get Slad Llama in the rain. <laughs> and then we get to that point in the actual movie and Cusco confronts himself. It's like, look, man, stop all this. Like, we all know how I got, we all know what I did and why I'm here. Like, you're not fooling anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, because is it a funny movie? Yes. Does it have a moments that don't make sense? Yes. Do they make fun of themselves for it? Yes. Does it actually have a pretty good story and like a good character arc where his change of heart feels real yeah yeah <laughs> and like they like drive it home where he has this point where he's like look man like when he's in the river and he's hitting every rock we're like yeah you deserve it he doesn't think he deserves it mm-hmm. but now we hit this point he's like maybe yeah maybe i maybe i deserve this uh but i i don't know i can't say enough about how they made things work because again I'm, I'm going back to the production problems like literally they're going through all these problems and someone just comes into the room and is like hey you know, Disney ESPN is covering the the double Dutch world championships. It'd be really great if you could fit jump roping into this. And suddenly, boom, we have a scene of Kronk jump jump roping with the kids. Doing yeah. double Dutch. And they make it work. Yep. And yep. it just it just works. Nobody you don't you don't question it. It's just like, oh yeah, Kronk is like he's already shown weird proficiency. This is just gonna be one of those other things where he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I was really good at you know. Or like the bit in the diner where he's like talking to Poncho, like, Oh, I know you from somewhere. Did I wrestle you wrestle you in high school? No, blah, 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 no. Interpretive dance. I was always in the back. I had really weak ankles. Yeah. <laughs> and just stuff like that, where it's just like, golly, this is so good. Yeah. Yeah. And and Kronk it his character honestly made the film. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, if Kronk's not there, it's not the film it is. And, like, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I harped on it in performance, but, like, if he did not play that character, it would just not be that character at all. Yeah. Because he, like, I can't... Because that is Patrick Warburton. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like if you're, if you're at all familiar with Seinfeld and him playing Putty, like, he's just that guy. Mm-hmm. And he has that face... And he just like, he just, ah, man, he's just so funny because he he does such a good, like deadpan idiot. Well, and I mean, so much of his voice acting is that kind of, he's the, I keep forgetting the character's name, but the, the wheelchair guy in Family Guy. Right. Joe. Mm -hmm. Joe? Joe, I think it's Joe. 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 Yeah. Uh, He's also Brock from Venture Brothers. Mm -hmm. Well, he's the, um, uh, he's essentially the quotation marks narrator in, um, uh, TL, uh, uh, Series of unfortunate events, right? Lemony Snicket. Yes, yep. yes. So like he's done a lot, and like he he's almost always a piece that 
or a, a casting choice that elevates yeah. what they what's and like so long as it's his role. Uh so there's actually a really fun fact where one of the first movies he did was some really he, he even references like in interviews, like, it's so bad, don't watch this movie, it's so bad. <laughs> Uh, where he's like just this big hunk of man flesh uh-huh. <laughs> and Eartha Kitt is actually also in it and she's like bossing him around and this is in like 1985 so he's like it's like 15 years later I'm really up in my career coming along and here I am getting bossed around by Eartha Kitt again <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah no so I, I think at this point just it's just all entertainment right yeah yep. yeah well and uh, you know given the score that that we gave it which was a 10 that stands to reason that all of us gave it a 10. No, I, I gave it a 9. And you guys also gave it an 11. It's hard to average a 10 with three not 10s. Yeah, it would yeah. be real challenging <laughs> when the scale only goes up to 10. Right. So not Spinal like, Tap. <clears throat> this is, I mean, there probably is a hefty amount of nostalgia at play here because of the positive reception that we had to it at first touch right mm-hmm. and even though we didn't all go see it in theaters as two of us did not yeah uh, we did have an encounter i at least had an encounter with it originally when i was still very young um even uh so my nostalgia for it isn't super high actually so i first saw it in high school because i mean it came out in 2000 mm-hmm. so once it was out of theaters i was just i was already in high school uh Actually, I, the most that I remember it, because I was at a friend's house with a bunch of people there from high school watching it, and I was kind of trying to hit on a girl, not doing a great job. We were, <laughs> we were talking about the movie, and it's the scene where they're in the the cleft, and they first work out like the chim- like the teamwork moment, yeah, right? Yeah. And we were both kind of joking, like, you know, why don't, you know wouldn't, wouldn't it be a cool movie if they both just, like right here, like they mess up and they both just die. Movie's over. That's it. <laughs> right? uh, so, like... I, I really didn't pick up on it until I was probably closer to 30. Okay. And just, it was just, you know, making streaming rounds. It was accessible. I was like, yeah, we'll put it on there. Why? I was like, man, this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I sleep on those? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly kind of the same way. So whenever I watched it in the theaters the first time I was, cause it was 2000. So I was, um, I was 14 mm-hmm. and I, you know, I just didn't like, I thought it was funny, but it was just another Disney film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I was in all, all in on Star Wars by that point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like I didn't like I really didn't hit more on like the the true enjoyment of it until probably like it started hitting streaming services and stuff where mm-hmm. I could just throw it on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you just watch it once and you're just like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. And and now it's it's kind of turned into we'll probably throw it on like two or three times a year. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, just out of like, you know, we're, we're just designing or just hanging out or something. We just want to have something on in the background. Emperor's new groove is one of the easiest ones because there's, you don't have to worry about literally any plot points. You just have to tune into the moments that, that you really think are funny mm-hmm. and you can just kind of tune and each, out the rest. Each scene is bite sized and yeah. can be taken on its own and still be hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With with only your memory of of the preceding scenes to buoy it up in terms of continuity of enjoying the storyline, yeah. Uh, but that's that's a really interesting point. So that that really means that nostalgia is not really booing up this entertainment value score. No, no, very it's, much it's at the, all. It's the adult humor connect. Now, I, I'm not prepared to agree with that entirely because we've both we've been referencing Chuck Jones a lot, right? Okay. So it, it's making that nostalgic connection, but. I think it's ultimately it's the adult level of the humor yeah. mm-hmm. because for all of us, when it really hits is when we were more of an adult, you know, mm-hmm. when I was yeah. 
oh gosh, I was 16 or 17 when this came out. So I was probably 17, almost 18 when I saw this. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just a movie. I mean, it was, yeah, it was funny. I like, I legit don't remember most of it from seeing it in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, kind of like Steven said, I, I'm, I love old classic Looney Tunes because mm-hmm. uh, like there are still, um, there's still like certain like, you know, shorts or whatever that I will just, I'll gut laugh because they're just so fun. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, like Chuck Jones was a true master at comedic timing and, and visual storytelling without actual dialogue. Sight, if, sight gag. Yeah. And, and they, I, they just took so much from that and they mm-hmm. put it into this film mm-hmm. and it just is just so hilarious to watch especially whenever you know you have the budget of a disney film which mm, it's still yeah. you know they clearly had problems for production but, but i mean the budget they were putting money into it they wanted money back yeah uh and i, I think something maybe we've, we've kind of missed or we've not missed it we just haven't really hit on it hard uh because it, it deserves mention too uh, you know you get all this good humor right but you also get a lot of heart from john goodman and david spade's interaction yeah right because because well, and John Goodman has a has a really good uh, arc. Yeah, no, like they, the, both the main characters really. I mean, Kronk as well. Isma <laughs> is just Isma. She's just there to be the obstacle, right? Yeah. Uh, but his his bit and just that piece, like the whole like, oh, I'm gonna lose my village, and it's sad. Well, and especially whenever he comes just... home for the first time and he's talking with his wife, mm-hmm. and like you can really tell that, um, like. You know, they've they've clearly been uh, together for a long time and they, you know, they have a shorthand of, you know, of she can tell that something's bothering him. But, you mm. know, he clearly doesn't want to talk about it right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's that's another good bit, too. Just like the home life that he's because, his mm-hmm. you know, Cusco has everything. Right. But he doesn't have anybody. Yeah. yeah. He, they're never parents, no siblings. You know, he, he turns down the offers of brides at the start by being incredibly catty about anything mm-hmm. he can find. And let me guess, you have a great personality. personality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like, it's kind of that huge shift for them. And then the two of them kind of coming into the middle because he kind of gets a father figure in the process. Yeah. Right. Uh, so like, it's really easy to ride on the humor, but like there's, there's a lot of heart in this too. That's still, you know, when you do have a time to sit down and just watch it, mm-hmm. it, it hits throughout. And I think it hits more, the more I've watched it because the more, you know, I don't have to worry about the, or I'm not just rolling on the ground laughing at this joke. I actually catch the rest of it that goes yeah. past it. And there are still, you know, hilarious jokes of, you know, oh, we're at the diner. Oh, yeah, we're newlyweds. Bless you for coming out in public. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, any, anything else, guys? No, no, no I, I got nothing. Just, I, mean, I mean, unless we want to just go on a quoting spree and, and, and hit the get highlights. It, get it out of, get it out of your yeah, system right now. Just, that's it. Get it out. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm waiting on you. Okay. Right. Go. Well, I don't have any ideas. They just have to come up naturally. You can't yeah, just You can't summon these it. things out of nothing. Like, you've got to have a cue. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You were just, you were letting, I was ready to hear some quotes. I mean, I was making a suggestion, like I was throwing it out there. I didn't expect the wind to push it back into my face. (laughs) (laughs) Joel's like, no, I was trying to help conversation, not be conversation. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, wrong lever. And then of course, callback of why do they even have that lever is, is basically perfect. And then also 
you know, you have that moment of obvious like, oh, Disney's like, oh, if this does well, we have a ride already. It's already in the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could do Yzma's Labs ride. Oh, like, and 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 you see people in in kind of cheap costume of Kronk and Yzma on those, you know, where you, where you have the the picture yeah. when you're going through the yeah. tunnel and things, and they're just <laughs> just completely doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. But like they 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 get off when it's uh, Cusco and Pancha and. They're in the lab coats, but it's the wrong lab coats. <laughs> right. They're like crushed in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're supposed to, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's such a ridiculous movie. Actually, no, there's probably one of the best quotes is like, look, I don't know who told you this, but we didn't order a trampoline. Well, why couldn't you have told me that until I already had it unloaded? Yeah. And, and that's, that's another one of those where it's the writers just like, well, she got thrown out a window. We need her to not die and get back up there. So trampoline. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, actually, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, there's no way that that wasn't how it happened. Yeah. They're just like, well, we just need this. Yeah. Uh, so actual quote from the writers on that is, well, we threw her off of the, the palace and like it's, we're writing for Disney. She can't splatter at the end of that. What are we going to do? Like, we'll just put a trampoline in there. Like, yeah, sure do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they already hit that point now in uh-huh. the movie where it's just like anything goes. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. I, I always love um the uh the interactions between the the two shoulder uh shoulder conscience. Oh, yeah. When, whenever um uh whenever the, the devil just gets on the table and he's like, Yeah, but I can do this. And he just does uh <laughs> and, you know, and Kronk's like, um, guys, I don't know what that has the like, no, 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 he's, no, got no, no he's got a point. He's got a point. <laughs> Or the fourth wall narration where he's just like, oh, God, is he doing his own theme song? Oh, I'm so glad I was unconscious for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's it's good. We gave we gave it tens for a reason. Yep. So Truly enjoyable. Truly, truly enjoyable. If you haven't somehow you've gotten to this point and you haven't actually watched it. Go see it. What is wrong with you? It is super accessible. Disney Plus. Go watch it. It's also only like an hour 40. It's really yeah, pretty it's, short. It's mm-hmm. short. Runs runs fast. So I think on that note, it is time we are done because that is all we have got for this episode. So until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joel. And as always, every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you.